0: Hi, I'm John.
1: And I'm Joe.
0: Welcome to our podcast, Extraordinariness.
1: Where we explore the motivations behind ordinary people's extraordinary accomplishments.
2: Hello, my name is Andy Ebert. (laughs) I'm a uh, stroke survivor and I've got aphasia. Now, most people don't know about aphasia. Aphasia is the ability to talk, but there are seven stages. Naught was they have the ability to talk but can't. Up to my stage, which is seven, which you can talk, not as fast as you'd like to, but you can talk, and stages in between, and that, and with a with a, a stroke. I have lost the right hand side of my body. I went to went to my doctor. i got, got a small little lump on my neck. It was uh, less than half a pea, and uh, he he had a look at it. He goes, "Okay, I'll send you the MR, MRI done at Northampton." Uh, I go there. They do the MRI. They look at it. They say, "Okay, that's uh, that's that's." cautious, but we'll send you to Oxford to have the MRI done. So I've already had one, um, run MRI off to Oxford. I meet, uh, and she yeah, yeah. We've t- had the look at it. We've got a little small dump there. It's an hour, an hour and a half operation at max. And you'll be out the following day. I said, crack on. So I went there to have an operation and I was semi-conscious. So they were saying, well, we'll keep you semi-conscious to know what's going on. Um, And I I honestly don't don't know how long this took, but at some point I become aware of the pain. Now, I I turned around to the anaesthetist and says, I'm a 30 years martial arts expert, so I don't. I, I do pain, but this is beyond me. Can you knock me out? He says, "Well, give it, give it a couple, give it, give it half an hour, see if it dulls down." Half an hour came and went, and the anesthetist. I, I spoke to the anesthetist and, and said, "I prefer you to put me under." So there's a rustle of instruments and I'm gone. Now, unknown to me, the operation lasted um, 10 hours. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and uh, they had opened the side of my neck, they found the lump, which is a small, uh, I, I was cancerous. Um, but they wouldn't wouldn't half a pea big. It wrapped all around my b- b- my brain to my what do you call it arteries to lead to my brain. So they oh. had a choice. They had a choice. Leave it alone or take it out. And they won't take it out. I had to take one of only four brains we have limbs, to take one one of them out. So I have now three brains instead of four. I was put into ICU and they came around to my ex-wife. Um, I've got a five percent chance of living. So I lived, I I live in um, 10 days in ICU. Of which 10 days I know nothing about apart okay. from one thing. Rob, my best friend, he squeezed my hand, I squeezed him back. And uh, he took it then, actually, he actually said, I squeezed it twice. Well, I only remember once. Okay. <laughs> uh, they would fight for me and by. St- Day two, I was up to 20% chance of living. And day three, I don't know. And by the end of the 10 days, we're, we're out in hospital in the stroke ward and between uh, Oxford and then transfer to Ket, uh, Northampton where I was out for six months. I I couldn't speak. I can only say yes, no and a swear word. That was for the nurses. (laughs) I came out uh, six months later and I could just about move my leg so I could walk. And to cut a very long story short, I now have minimal, minimal use of my arm, which you've already seen. It's about 10 percent. Uh, the leg, I get about 20, uh, sorry, 40 percent movement, so I can walk with my leg. Um, they all, um, amongst many operations they did, like uh, Botox through, through my uh, uh, what do you call it? Through my throat to enable speaking. That didn't work. Um, In the end, they'd another along here um, to try and get the voice activated. And what was really frustrating to me was everybody was speaking around me, but not to me because I couldn't speak. They, 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 you're mad. You you don't speak.
1: But were you fully aware? You could, you were hearing everything, understanding everything. You just weren't able to communicate back.
2: One hundred percent.
1: Oh wow! So that must have been really frustrating.
2: Well, uh, the 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 day before I came into the hospital, I was working as an MD. Yes. I was the California Superboy School, through and through, uh, a good twenty years. I've been doing it. And I couldn't say anything to anybody.
1: How how did that feel? I mean, because obviously you're someone who has, you know, a real history of being very physical, very fit, you know, your your martial arts, your running, the, the, the superbike stuff. What was the, the aspect that you found the most difficult? Was was it the phys- the inability to physically be able to get up and walk around as you used to or the inability to communicate the way you used to or was it the, the both
2: both both in fact it got to a point after I've left hospital I think it was a year um, my ex-wife Donna um, I told her to go to the kitchen and get the sharpest knife I was but I was going to end it then that was the lowest of my low mm-hmm. um, she refused me thank goodness Uh, Thank you, Donna. Yes. And from that day on, it was upwards and onwards. So that was a turning point
1: for you.
2: Definitely. Definitely. It must be a year, a year and a half into uh, the operation. It's it's gone, the operation, but it's still there. Um, It was to see, I, I can move onwards and upwards now what are my goals my first goal is to walk around the garden i, I literally once around the garden i was knackered yeah of
1: course
2: and that came on till uh no uh 20, 2017 uh we did the marathon de saab which for those who are not aware of that it's uh, five, six, seven marathons in five days in the Sahara Desert.
0: I was not expecting that. I was thinking the extraordinary achievement was uh, recovering from a stroke.
1: Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? He just, it's really interesting because this isn't the only, the only sort of mad challenge. He he explains a bit more later on. Oh, okay. He, um, it's just the resilience, isn't it? Yeah. So going from walking around your garden to the toughest race on earth. Gosh. As you will know, John, as
2: someone who signed up for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I managed two days, but we ran out of time on the th- on the second day. We would have gladly made it, mm-hmm. but we with the time difference it had of uh, ten hours and thirty minutes, we ran out of time. We could see the final. Um, Camp
1: mm-hmm. from
2: where we were where we stood, but we l- lost at time oh. get, which he's a real bummer, but it's also jolly good
1: so I asked Andy if this was something that he always wanted to do i mean m d s isn't on my bucket list, <laughs> <laughs> but he was actually signed up to do it before he had the stroke I see right, so I think for him being able to get himself there, yeah. Throughout his rehabilitation and post-recovery, was
2: was quite a significant achievement. Right. It was definitely a bucket list. I had to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, given I was such a strong martial artist, I never did any running, never. I was oh. good for about, thir- uh, well, about five minutes, and I was knackered, <laughs> completely. But I, my my my, my, my friend Rob. Was into running. he had already done the marathon to done this, done that. And I said, okay, teach me to run. And the, I remember the very first day um, before the stroke, uh, we had a little loop which was one, two, three, four um, hills on the route. And he said, well, we'll run those then. I said, okay, that'll be fine. You got to the bottom of the first hill, and I was knackered.
1: <laughs> so you're Absolutely telling me you signed up knackered. You signed up for the toughest run in the world with very minimal running experience?
2: Yes. Uh, right. Feeney says to me, uh, you can jump out of the plane. I'll do it. I'll be the as hell. I'll do it. <laughs> okay if you say, um, swim across the channel. I can't swim, but I'll do it.
0: So I'd be interested to know how much of Andy's personality has been shaped by the stroke, or if he was like this beforehand, this, I'm going to do anything, to give everything a go. Well,
1: I do ask him that actually, so
2: let's hear what he says. Well, I think it's always been there, but I've always been close like martial arts with the tie-in motorbikes with a tie-in uh racing motorbikes with a tie-in 27 broken bones with a tie-in blah 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 so yes i think it was but now i've come to this side of the stroke um i want challenges
1: okay
2: you know i mean we we, we as a, as a stroke survivor, I've got half my body. The right-hand side is useless, okay. uh, but my left-hand side is good. So my left-hand side pushes my right-hand side to, look, to do it. It may not be awkward, shall we say? Well, it is awkward. You know, I, I can't move the right-hand side correctly. Uh, we have to have a special, shoe on my uh right hand side to balance my body up you know it's it's quite a task to get going but i'm doing it i have a i have another challenge for next year march next year yes everest we go as far as the uh, um everest base camp after that which i can't do after that requires oxygen i am petrified of heights
1: just trying to get a sort of a grasp of um your sort of attitude to life because you seem so upbeat and and positive and i know you've mentioned because one thing we ask all our interviewees is um we call it the pit and the peak the highest point and the lowest point you've already kind of indicated sort of post-recovery where your lowest point was have we hit a peak or are we still in you think that's going to be everest
2: uh there'll be something after everest i don't know what it is yet there someone something somewhere will survive I'll, I'll i'll do it it could be walk to walk to the north pole or walk to the south pole or climb their highest mountain from its depths in the sea so what it is but i do know well, there is one thing. Just after my Everest trip, um, the swimming thing, I've taken on a triathlon. Wow! So, <laughs> I, so that's running, I I can,
1: cycling, and swimming. Yes. Okay.
2: I can do. I can do the cycling. You're right. Um, running. Well, that would be a walk. Mm-hmm. I, I just cannot run and swimming i haven't got a clue yet
1: (laughs) (laughs) i love it but you just know that you're just going to crack on and get on with it
2: yeah up to the point of the stroke i had many people famous people and not uh during the school and i would teach them how to ride the bikes better what's changed i suppose is coming out this side of the stroke and knowing that there are things I cannot do, but I will give it a go. Whatever it is, I'll give it a go. If you mean to put me in a ring with Muhammad Ali, I'll give it a go. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I know all these things, I will try them. I'll probably get the beep, beep, beep out of me, <laughs> but I'll try them. I'll try them.
1: Amazing. And is this something that's important to you as part of the recovery process, just to keep these challenges? Yeah,
2: yeah because this is an important part for me and for anybody else who wants to try it, have a goal. You set yourself a goal. My current goal is Everest. Then it's triathlon. Then it's something else or something else. I mean, crikey, I, I'm 50... 50, 56 years old, I you know I should be uh, rolling up a slipper somewhere and lying up and go oh no. No. but I'm um, I'm still I'm still fighting. I'm I'm i fighting. Yeah, that's the best word I can use.
1: It's amazing. So you've gone from goal number one to to walk around the garden, to Everest triathlon. I mean, it's amazing. So. It'd be great to, to get a little bit more insight into the recovery process. So you talked about that sort of that dark moment when you kind of thought, you know what, this, I can't really do this, to then flipping it around and thinking, no, was it a case of lots of little steps or was the, the bigger goal in mind?
2: No, it's, it's been lots and lots of little steps. Little steps like walking around the garden complete waste of my energy I I, I walked around the garden and that was it Mm -hmm. to walking down the road and back to walking around the village to walk into the next village and eventually uh, I just kept going 24 miles I can do it my brain says go for it my voice says, you've got to be joking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I couldn't remember your name, not until I looked it up. Now I've got your name again. Um, oh, it
1: happens to the best of us, Andy. I mean...
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know, but at least I've got a reason why.
1: You've got a good excuse.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, but I've only got half a brain. You've only got half a brain when you when you... Test the theory out. Uh, The uh, left hand side of my brain is useless. The right hand side does everything. You know, it's not just the physical aspect; it's the mental aspect as well. So you will retrain your brain to say, "I won't do, I won't do it. Death. I will turn that around into life. I will go and find me something." Every day, so I said, as I said, it was still small steps, and it will still be small steps for me. Um, Somebody, my my friend Rob, will say after a month, he say you improved really well, but I don't feel any different to what I felt ten years ago. Really, it is different, I know, but my brain can think. Of coming into the hospital, chatting away with me, but I couldn't speak, and the speech has slowly been getting better. There are still mistakes like numbers and calendars. And they, they'll up here at my head. They'll say twenty uh, third of November. It will come out second of October. I'm like, oh, hang on, a <laughs> <bit>. hang on. <laughs> But to be fair, just numbers and maybe dates are on a calendar, I rework that again and then spec say it properly. But it's uh, it's a it's a, ta- it's a task. <laughs>
1: and, and is, is this something you're having to work on constantly as part of your sort of rehabilitation?
2: Definitely, definitely. Okay part part of my rehabilitation was to have a i called them a nurse, but she was more than a she had a speech speech organization something like that
1: mm-hmm.
2: and she helped me a lot with the first uh, six months of training and the first of the six months is i had to start again you know it was it was fine writing with that hand, but I can't do that anymore. My left, my right hand is completely useless. So I have to start again with my left. And that is like starting again. It yeah. is right starting again. Give me a keyboard anytime, yeah. <laughs> But it is slow. I mean, as, As well as my job, my previous two jobs were working as motorcycle journalist. So with fast bikes and with motorcycle news, uh, keyboard, no problem. You want a story, bang, there you go, it's done. If they ask me now, I can do that stuff, but twice, if not three times as long.
1: Yeah.
2: It's just the way it is, it does.
1: No, of course. I'd love to um, find out a little bit more about the decision to to retake on the the MDS challenge post recovery at what stage did you think actually I'm going to go for this again and what was the process you had to go through in terms of rehab in terms of training to get yourself to to the start line of that event
2: um, I saw an advert in one of the uh, um, um in a scope it's a, a magazine
1: mm-hmm.
2: i was reading, reading it online and they had um some people they have five six people uh go with them provided you provide them with lots of money which you must do yeah and i thought i can't i i i had cancelled my mds because I couldn't even speak. And this one came along, it gives uh, 18 months to train to get better and to do it. So I went to my friend, Rob, and he's my friend, John, who is the physio expert around here. Uh, He's physical all over the world he's been. Um, I said, right, I want to do MDS. I can do it through uh, scope, can provide us the, the means, but we've got to raise money for them. We had to raise um, £8,000 each. Each.
1: Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> not one task.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but we did it. We did fundraising, we did. Uh, Eventually, we managed to raise twenty-seven thousand pounds. Twenty-seven oh 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 pounds. Twenty-seven. Seven thousand. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> You're oh, welcome. I oh, I run? I mean, that's um,
1: incredible. It's such a huge sum of money.
2: Yeah, we we had to we bought ourselves a something to do every month that people could get involved with. They could. Um, like, for instance, uh, we were in Coventry with Scope in their shop and ran for the entire amount they were open. Wow. So, and get that gives us a little bit. Um, really amazing. One, one, one question. What university did you go to?
1: I went to Brunel um, for my undergrad and then I did my master's at Edinburgh.
2: Okay, okay. I'm in university too. I'm in my, I'm in my third, uh, second year.
1: Uh, And what are you studying?
2: Uh, sports psychology.
1: (laughs) How do, how is this just coming into the conversation now?
2: So this is for
1: a degree? MSc? Oh, fantastic. Congratulations. How's it going?
2: It's hard. (laughs) It's very hard. I'm not in the third year yet, but it's hard. Good for you. So you really
1: don't give yourself any downtime, Andy?
2: No, no, I can't. This is the point of, of me is I can't if I try and do something that would make me feel relaxed, no way. I have to be energized, I have to be in it all the time. Even if I fall asleep halfway through, that's fine. But as long as I've tried it first.
1: Okay. And, and what is that something that you've always experienced? It has always having to be on the go, or is that something that you find more prevalent now?
2: It's more pre- prevalent now. Um, when I was running the supervised school, uh, that was fine. I can I can do that. It was fine. Coming back with the stroke, it's been difficult, but I can train people again as and when required. Like uh, I was at Three Sisters Racetrack uh, two days ago teaching people.
1: Amazing. I'm
2: just trying, just trying. <laughs> and does
1: it Does it feel nice getting back into that?
2: Yeah, it does. It does. I'm I'm nowhere near uh, the the ability that I used to have, but I'm now a little bit closer to it now. You know. Yeah, of course. Uh, th- things will come and things will go. And you never know what comes around the corner. I was fine on the Monday, on the Sunday, stroke. Mm-hmm. How can you click that? You, ca- you can't. You cannot Cannot do it. And you have to get on with it.
1: <laughs> you have to
2: learn things like driving a car.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I can only drive a car with a left-hand troll. Of
1: course, yeah.
2: Can do it with uh, gears and uh, before. Uh, they're taking gears out and giving them automatic. That's fine. I can do it. Okay. You know, but it takes some people time to learn how to do it. I was lucky. I rode India motorcycles, which have all the throttle is on the left. So I knew what lefting meant. But I had to get in a car. I screwed up the first literally the first 10 meters and from that I was fine okay but you have to go and think about it and then try
1: course, I mean Andy it took me quite a few times to pass my driving test so <laughs> <laughs> I got there in the end <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, I promised you I wouldn't take up too much of, of your time and we're kind of nearing the 40 minutes so I on just as we come to a close I'd love to hear um, about what inspires you, whether that, you know, who or what has been your biggest inspiration, because you're certainly a hugely inspiring character. And I wonder if you've been inspired by either an event or an individual or something in your life that's helped kind of motivate you.
2: No, because I'm just a normal bloke. That's it. I do odd things with my time. I'm a normal bloke. Um, I can't say to do anything, but the things you do will be will be at their forefront. I mean I had to learn to eat again. I couldn't, I couldn't not only couldn't could I not swallow, I couldn't eat either, you know. And now I eat a four-course meal. Takes some time, but I eat four-course meal. <laughs> If you have a goal, set it. Yeah. If it is a high goal, that's fine. Just set three, four, five, or maybe even ten steps toward okay. getting that goal. Anything you can do, you can do it. Just depends whether you're prepared to take the time or not. That that's really it. That's Amazing. Right.
1: Fantastic. So since I did this interview with Andy, he did make it to Nepal, mm. and he did make an attempt um, to get to Eva's Base Camp, unfortunately he didn't quite make it, and you know, I, you've heard him speak, it wasn't that he, he had to quit for any other reason than he just couldn't cross the bridges. Right. So you've got to think, even with a Sherpa on both sides, with someone who only has the ability to move one side of their body, and then the bridges these are, are really tiny rope bridges. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so he did have to quit but I mean you've heard from what he was saying I don't really think that's the reason he signs up for these things
0: yeah he said it, didn't he he said that so with Marathon de Sable there's a uh, having obviously done a bit of research now into this there's, a cam- there's two camels and they are sort of the, uh, the they bring up you know, the blood wagon they bring up the rear, the rear of the course and if you end up behind the camels you have to drop out
1: Oh, I did not know that. Yeah,
0: so it's, it's this. So you know, so he went to Marathon to Sables despite, you know, having had to relearn to walk again, and got caught by the camels, and then this has happened here. But he said, you know, I'll, I'll do it, and I might get beaten up, but I'll get back up again, and that's. And I'll
1: still try. And yeah. I'll still
0: try, and that's incredible. That he's willing to say, do you know what? So many people are scared to death of not finishing something that they never even put themselves out there and go and experience it.
1: Yeah, and I find this really admirable that it isn't the completion of the task it's just the fact that he wants the challenge and i love how he describes himself as just a normal bloke who does odd things (laughs) (laughs) i think that is is really incredible and how he just doesn't want to let this new sort of way of life define him
0: yeah it's almost yeah i mean the 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 things that he's put himself, the challenges he's given himself are not necessarily the extraordinary achievement of Andy
1: Ibbott. It's. What makes him extraordinary is the fact that he doesn't think of himself as extraordinary, number one, but two, he just wants to crack on.
0: And getting on with that recovery. And I imagine, you know, Andy's obviously a great spokesperson for, there must be. Lots of people out there who've had a stroke who have this same thing of, right, okay, well, this is, you know, this is life, let's get on with it, let's crack on. And then having to, you know, having to relearn all those things, I can just imagine the frustration of having to relearn to eat, to write, to speak.
1: Oh, I mean, it's just, you can't even get your head around it, but also being someone who was the MD of a superbike school. Yes, so the California
0: superbike schools are really, you know, I think you yeah, had people like... Um, Valentina Rossi, World Championship, where, you know, this is... Yeah,
1: I mean, yeah, he was dealing with these amazing people as an expert in his field and also being someone who is naturally very athletic. You know, he mentions his martial arts. Yeah. He's, uh, you know, he's active and then to just to wake up oh, yeah, to yeah. not be able to do any of those things again is... Yeah. Is quite...
0: It's and, and I love that attitude. That I'm just going to get on with it. And so... Um, what are we going to put in our toolbox?
1: Well, I think he makes it really quite clear. He, I mean, obviously, he's got a super positive mindset that he really had to turn around from reaching rock bottom. But, you know, he talks about just having, having a goal and breaking that up into little steps. Baby steps. Mm.
0: Yeah, that's so important, isn't it? Because so many people, you know, look at something and think it's unachievable. And I guess that's why some things like, you know, the couch to 5K... Mm-hmm. Uh, is it an app? I don't think it was an app. NHS yeah, it just brought out an app. And what was great, that just broke it down into baby steps, didn't it? Like, it didn't say, right, okay, day one, you're going to go out and try and run 5k. It was like, right, you're going to run for a minute, walk for two. Mm-hmm. And for Andy, it was, right, I'm going to walk around my garden and then I'm going to walk to the end of the road. And these are the challenges on the way that make that big, scary goal achievable.
1: Because it isn't one big, scary goal, it's, yeah. it's climbing the, the ladder. Ones?
0: Yeah, yeah. So that's definitely got to go in there. And what about, as well, just getting rid of that fear of failure? Of saying, do you know what, whether I do it or not, it doesn't matter. I'm going to put myself out there and I'm going to go give it my best
1: shot. Yeah, and at no point does he ever mention fear of failure. And he doesn't really have any doubt. And even talking about MDS, he wasn't disappointed that he didn't Mm. complete it. And you've got to think that kind of event probably attracts... A certain type of character yeah. who is determined to make it to the end to come and yeah, you know, yeah. make a break. And he's just, I love that he's he's t- being proud of himself yeah. for just giving it a go.
0: And being there, yeah.
1: And um, that's something I'm really trying to talk to the kids about. You know, it's very much, it's not the winning, it's the taking part, really. Exactly. It's going right back yeah, to yeah. basics.
0: Putting yourself think, into it mm-hmm. to begin with. So, going into our extraordinary toolkit this week baby steps, setting small, achievable goals or breaking big challenges down into smaller parts and embracing the journey rather than the destination to rid ourselves
1: of the fear of failure. I love this interview. He was such an amazing person to speak to, super positive, and you know, massive inspiration.
0: I'm quite excited to see what he comes up with next. I mean, the triathlon, obviously, for someone who can't swim, is going to be fun. <laughs>
1: I'm a bit worried about that, (laughs) but no, I'm definitely um, keeping an eye on his, his next challenge.
0: listening to Extraordinariness our podcast about ordinary people's extraordinary accomplishments if you've been enjoying it please like subscribe pass the pod around and check back to Extraordinariness.com for more the show was produced by Joanne Spence myself John Harmon music was by Coma Media from Pixabay thanks for listening and we'll see you next time